0: Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. James Dankert is a professor at the University of Waterloo and an expert, a researcher into boredom. James, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. We see so many lines these days, um, you know, as there are uh, COVID-19 restrictions in place, a certain number of people in a a building. I went to the bank uh, the other day, and I just drove in the lot and pulled back out again. The lineup was huge. I, I didn't have that kind of time. Um, are you noticing uh, more about these lines? And, and why is that? It seems to me, uh, I've been told that you think it has something to do with boredom.
1: Well, I, most of us would consider lining up to be one of the more boring things that we could do, Hal. And and normally it really is. But we've all been in these restrictions these social isolation and quarantine restrictions for about 12 weeks now which is an extraordinary period of time and when those restrictions sort of lift most people want to be able to get out and do at least something so I've heard of people lining up for hours on end just to get a burger or an ice cream from somewhere and it sounds like a kind of silly thing to line up for so long for except when we're bored, we feel like we're being restricted and restrained from doing what we would normally want to do and being in control of our own choices and our own actions. And so it's not that surprising to me that people are lining up for these things that seem like they're maybe a little bit trivial because it's just the first opportunity in a long time that we can do something that we want.
0: Yeah, we've got no- and we've got nothing better to do right now, right?
1: Well, that's true, too. With all these restrictions still, uh, even though things are opening up a little bit, certainly in Ontario, where I'm at, we're, we're still constrained a fair bit. And so, yeah, there aren't many other options for what we can do. And so we might reach out for the things
0: that are at least possible now. Are we sort of reminiscing, in a way, looking back to the days when we hated lining up and now we sort of go, well, hey, at least it's something closer to our normal (laughs) I
1: I don't know, we might well be reminiscing Certainly there's work out there There's research that shows that when we reminisce When we feel nostalgia for things in the past We don't feel boredom Um, And certainly for myself uh, Very early on in about the first two or three weeks Of the pandemic I remember I I, um, decided I was going to bake a cake Because I was bored And part of why I decided to do that Was because it reminded me of doing that same thing In my childhood I used to bake cakes with my mum just as a thing to do and that nostalgia really helped alleviate my boredom. So I don't know if people are nostalgic for lines, but they might be nostalgic for the thing they get at the end of the line, that burger or that ice cream or something like that.
0: Right. And it wasn't that long ago there were people who we would pay to stand in line for us. We had busy lives. Go stand in line for me. People You know, were making a career of standing in line for people, waiting for things that people didn't have time to wait for. And and I think you're right. I think more and more of us now are happy to stand in a line, knowing that that burger or something that we we want to uh, you know get rid of the boredom in our days is, is as you said at the other end of that line.
1: Sure, I, my hope and I think the hope of most of us is that when this is all said and done, and we don't know when that's going to be, we'll return to that point where we think that you know waiting is
0: not the the uh, delight that it might seem like it is
1: now. <laughs> Were
0: you more bored at the start of this when you made the cake, James, or are you more bored now? And and do you think that goes to all of us? People are talking a lot
1: now, and I, I see some uh, reality to it. They're talking a lot about fatigue, not so much about boredom. So I think you might be right that in the early stages, boredom might have been a little bit more on our minds than it might be now, simply because it's been so long. And so we're just all a little bit tired and and now things are slightly changing, too, where, you know, the, the the school year is about to end, which, you know, has been odd for everybody anyway. Um, and uh, we, we've got to think about what are we going to do with our kids over the summer. So, yeah, maybe we're not quite as bored now. Maybe we're just a little bit fatigued.
0: I'm curious, how did you become a boredom researcher? You know, at what point <laughs> in your career, <laughs> at what point yeah. in your career did you make that decision? And how did you end up being... A boredom researcher. Yeah,
1: I think if you ask most um, psychologists, the thing that they study most is something about themselves that they either don't understand or they don't like. And that's certainly true for me. I experience boredom, and I don't like it when I do experience it. And so I really wanted to understand it more and, and in the hope that you know, understanding it would allow me to somehow overcome it a, a bit better than I have in the past.
0: Yeah. I think you're right. You know, at the start of this, there was more boredom. It was, it was new and we didn't know what to make of it and we were bored. And I, I agree that it's become fatigue. I think there's still some boredom, but after we, we, you know, are in this lockdown for a while, I think we kind of figure out a routine and it becomes normal. But the fatigue definitely has become an issue for me just in the past couple of weeks. The boredom's not as bad now. I mean, I'm lucky to be working, and you are too. Um, but I, I agree. It uh, the boredom has kind of twisted and become fatigue. H- how do we fight boredom? You're, you're the boredom expert. How do we, how do we fight boredom and and the fatigue? Because I find, and I've said this a few times on my show, I can get a great night's sleep, even two or three nights in a row, and I'm still feeling kind of exhausted. I think the fatigue is
1: actually represents a little bit of our kind of anxiety about. The unknown right which is basically when is this going to end and so that's very hard for me to give any advice about what people can do about that because i don't know when it's going to end any more than anybody else does perhaps just trying to find activities that are meaningful to you so whether or not it's something as kind of trivial as baking a cake or if it's Mm -hmm. getting out in the garden if you're lucky enough to have a garden Uh, doing something on a daily basis that matters to you. That's the kind of thing that will really get us past the boredom, certainly, because when we're bored, we look around at the things that we could be doing and and think that they're fairly meaningless. So if you can find something that matters to you and is meaningful to you, then I think you can get past the boredom. The fatigue is harder. Uh, Perhaps just finding ways to refresh yourself, in, you know, conversations with with the family on Zoom meetings, these kinds of things. I'm not really sure. I don't have great ideas to
0: to overcome that fatigue. James, thanks a lot for this. I'll I'll tell you what, I've been doing this a long time. You are my first boredom researcher. (laughs) My pleasure. (laughs) Kevin Klein is the counselor for Charleswood Tuxedo and Westwood. He joins us on the phone along with former police chief Devon Clunas. Uh, Kevin, we'll start with you. Thank you for for doing this. You and uh, Mr. Clunas held a news conference, a joint news conference today. Tell us what Community Conversations is all about.
2: Well, first of all, thank you, Hal. Uh, great to be with you again. Uh, yeah. I'm very excited about community conversations, and I'm, I'm especially excited to uh, to be doing this with uh, Devon Clunis and his wife, Phereline. Th- this has been um, something that I, I believe was needed a long time ago. I made a commitment when I, you know, ran for office that I, I wanted to make a difference in, and be a part of making Winnipeg better. Um, and this, the conversations, Community Conversations for a Better Winnipeg is going to do that. These are, these are going to be quick, co- like not quick conversations, but quickly for you, is uh, conversations that are going to bring our community together. We're going to be asking questions like, what have you observed? How did or does this make you feel? Or did it make you feel? What can we do together to address the issues? This is an opportunity to start fostering a, a sustainable social change and ensure Sure, Winnipeg is the leader, not just in Canada, but in North America, and maybe the world. We are the center of North America. This is this is where these things should happen, and I think we have a great opportunity to do that here. And we have the right people to make it happen. And I'm just uh, I'm very very excited about this new uh, new approach. I will say we are going to invite every councillor to be involved if they'd like. Uh, we'll host. Uh, they can host uh, one of the sessions in their community, and and hopefully from this we'll hear ideas that we can put forward from citizens for policy motions within our jurisdiction you know what can we do to make this a better place and how can we help uh, get on the right
0: path uh, and and lead the country devon you're our former police chief by the way uh, some of your comments around the rally at the legislature were were really important and i just want to thank you for some of the things that you said about winnipeggers uh you're a really important voice and so i'm honored to have you on my show here today these community conversations not just about policing but uh, through the whole community correct
3: absolutely alan and thank you for those comments and uh you know i listen to you often i often hear you talking about your wonderful wife so i really want to just give the floor right now to my beautiful bride, who is definitely a very much an important part of this with me. Go ahead, Perlene.
4: <laughs> well, maybe I'll just um, give a little bit of background on, on how we came up with this idea for community Uh, conversations. It was when we were out of the country and reflecting on how happy we were with our country and wanted to make sure that it stays that way. And we came up with this idea of talking to the community and and really getting to know our neighbors, getting to know our community, um, being able to share perspectives. And I think through building that community, by getting to know people, we will be able to maybe Um, get away from some fear of the unknown and uh, be able to have a more cohesive, um, a healthy um, uh, community for us all.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I said this the other day, Prillian, I I really think it it is about sharing, yes, speaking your mind, but it's about listening, right? Isn't that even more important?
4: Absolutely, and I think that if we all have a good dose of listening and really wanting to not just hear the words, but really let it um, think into our spirit and really hear people and see where their concerns or pain would come from. I think that um, that's where we we need to head.
0: How does this all begin, uh, Kevin? Tell us how the the process is going to work. Well, so the process is going to start, and, and I, I share those,
2: echo those comments about listening. That is, that is what this is all about. Um, we're going to have the very first uh, Community Conversation for a Better Winnipeg outdoors at Assiniboia Park. It's at Site 3 on June 27th, uh, beginning at 11 a.m. We're going to practice the proper physical distancing that uh, will be in place and make sure that everyone has an opportunity to be engaged. Everyone has an opportunity to be heard. So you don't feel you have to go to the one on the 27th. If you want to go to one, we're going to have, uh, the, in, the, in the coming days, we'll announce more. You can go to those ones, because th- th- if, if it's an intimate conversation, more will get shared. And that's really what this is about. Winnipeg is Winnipeg, and we want to you know, make sure that it's got the flair of everybody, and we start moving in a, in a different direction, a new way uh, of dealing with these issues.
0: Kevin, you were chair of the police board and and recently stepped down. The mayor says he wants changes to the police board. While while I've got you, uh, do you think there need to be changes in order for that body to be effective?
2: You know, I I think, uh, as I said in my release, that uh, I was concerned with the, uh, you you know, the not total adherence to the Manitoba Police Services Act um, when I was there, that was the main reason I left. I, I did see uh, Mayor Bowman you know saying he wants to see you know it changed but, but it, quite honestly uh, and I was just having a conversation about this he He said the board hadn 't done that, and he wants the board to do that. If he he wants to say me, great. But please don't say the board because the board has already done it. Um, And each member of that board, you know, puts in their heart and soul. And they, we have open and frank discussions. It's wonderful. So we have already been involved in that process. And the justice minister already launched the process to see what needs to be changed. And I know that the police commission and the president of the Manitoba Police Commission, David Asper, and others spoke to many stakeholders, community groups, but not just in Winnipeg, all across the province. So. I'm looking forward to what they will bring forward. What I would like to see is a better understanding of the police service and I've heard Devon say it a million times and, and even today I heard Berlin say it that, you know, uh, she has many family members and she's married to a police officer and she's not aware of their duties and responsibilities and how they're trained. That's something that uh, we should focus on is how do we communicate exactly what the police service does? That, that's where I think the mandate should be. The province is already on top of it. We, we need to let
0: them do their job and, 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 and the city do their job. And, Devon, if I can, the final question to you. I'm almost out of time. I, I've got the 2 o'clock news coming up here. That that protest, that rally, uh, I called it peaceful but powerful. I had an email back, and, and there have been other people that have communicated with me by text and by phone and, and email. But I was back and forth with a gentleman uh, the other day about, uh, you know, how we have to try and handle things differently when it comes to race relations and, and equality amongst the races in our community. And there was just so much anger on the other end. And I asked him, I said, w- where's the anger? I don't understand the anger. W- where's the anger coming from, Devon? You know
3: And that's why we want to truly have these community conversations. I think the anger is really coming from a lack of understanding, a lack of appreciation. Uh, we just don't know each other. And we're only seeing the world from our view and and Part of what I say is taking place right now in terms of COVID and people being isolated and all these issues are arising, but they they don't have the opportunity to hear from others and get a broader perspective. So I think once we listen to one another, we take some time to actually really hear what each other is saying and empathetically respond. I think that will deal with some of these issues. And that's exactly why we want to have these really meaningful community conversations.
0: Guys, thanks for doing this. Best of luck. I love the idea. And, Kevin, again, I, I give you credit for wanting to involve all of council. Um, you know, we, we've talked before about some of the problems down at, at City Hall, uh, but I think that that's a, a great start by opening it up to all the councillors and wanting them all to be involved. So, So thanks for doing it that way, Kevin
2: thank you and, uh, and my thanks to Devana. he was a uh, he's a great friend and a, and a great mentor on many levels so
0: yes thank you to kevin and the clunas thank you guys appreciate it it is men's health awareness month and my friend dr primel patel joins us he's a winnipeg urologist doc good afternoon hey hal thanks for the opportunity to come on good afternoon yeah, thank you. Important, it's important stuff and I think maybe even more important that we talk about this stuff with the pandemic, COVID-19. Um because I think a lot of people, me included, um I just although I just had a um a virtual doctor's appointment the other day, uh, I think many people are putting visits to their doctor off right now. Um and that can be an issue if there is is a problem that they should be getting help for.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the biggest thing. Given the pandemic, you know, a lot of people are trying to avoid going to the doctor's office, avoiding crowds, which, which completely makes sense. Um, but I think it's always important to not forget about making sure you're bringing up any new issues that arise or potentially seeing your doctor virtually like you did to make sure that if you do have any chronic conditions, that they are being monitored and appropriately um, evaluated
0: are you doing some virtual visits as as well these days are you seeing more of that and do you think it's something that might continue you know even past the pandemic
5: yeah it's a great question so i've essentially been doing quite a bit of virtual clinic and i think you know i think it's i think it's been great in terms of allowing patients you know the freedom of doing these uh, appointments even when they're at work or when they're at home and you know they don't need to drive in for these appointments so it's definitely allowing a lot of freedom there's definitely a lot of appointments that need to be seen in person. And so I've been finding the virtual has been really good to help triage patients, to identify which ones need to come in, which ones don't. And especially if you have a follow-up appointment, which which takes only a couple minutes, it's almost better to, you know, allow the patients to just do it um, at home. And it makes it very convenient for them. So I definitely, I definitely think we will continue to have a virtual aspect to our healthcare.
0: Yeah, or if it's just a checkup, how you doing? Based on you know a previous visit, or hey, I just need to refill my prescriptions. There's lots of ways it works. But for example, and it is Men's Health Awareness Month, Doc. For example, mm-hmm. you can't check check my prostate virtually, can you? That I cannot. So unfortunately, <laughs> I don't have that long of an arm. But I can't really check the. You
5: know, I can't really reach your prostate from uh, from my yes. office. Right. But there's definitely, you know, there's definitely things that uh, that I do can have, at least make sure that when I see you in my clinic, it's a more efficient um, appointment. So maybe I'll ask a lot of those screening questions um, over the phone. You know, have you ever had blood in your urine? How is your peeing? Any problems with erections? Any history of prostate cancer? So then when I do see you in clinic, it's a more an efficient appointment. You've already talked to me over the phone. We kind of get right to it. We do the physical examination. So there is a... There is a, a rationale of including the virtual care in that component.
0: Yeah, I mean and you know, and we've had many guests on the air over the years that you know a, a visit to the doctor thinking they were fine, ends up they're not fine, cancer, there can be all all sorts of things going on. And usually, and and I think the reason Men's Health Awareness Month is important, and it's important for us to talk today like this, is because, I don't know if they've ever done research on this, but guys are are bad. Uh, The guys I know, and I'm one of them, although I'm getting way better at this, guys are bad for going, ah, it's nothing, I'll be fine, and uh, just brushing it off. Uh, and some of these uh, issues are embarrassing. You, you mentioned erectile uh, dysfunction, ED, uh, or, you know, an enlarged prostate. Uh, some of these things we, we, we want to forget about. We don't want to have to deal with them, but it's important that we do. 100%. And
5: that's one of the re- main reasons I kind of want to get that word out, especially during the awareness month. When we talk about ED, having problems with erection, a lot of guys like to brush it off. They may take several months to come in. They say, ah, that's okay, I'm doing fine. But the one thing that's really important to know is that your penile health, as the healthier penis, goes hand in hand with your heart health. When men start having problems with erections, it's actually an early warning sign that the blood to the heart could also be compromised. And not, I'm not, not going to say like months, but it's years down the road because, as you can imagine, the vessels or the, the arteries which bring blood to an organ are smaller for the penis than they are the heart, and so. When you start having problems with the erections, it means something is going on, and so you need to start thinking that, well, maybe I need to change my lifestyle, maybe diet, exercise, weight loss, and all those things could be contributing. And the same goes for issues with testosterone. So men who are starting having problems with testosterone, again, some men brush it off, ah, it's normal, I'm getting older, maybe it's going down because of that. But again, it still goes hand-in-hand with the heart health. So I think those are some of the big things that I really want to get the message out.
0: Any others that we should be uh, talking about here quickly? Uh, I know BPH or enlarged prostate or ED, um, you know, those are, are obvious ones. Any others that are worth mentioning here? Yeah, so, you know, go ahead with BPH
5: just quickly. A large prostate, when Men get older, the prostate becomes enlarged. There's a lot of newer therapies that are doing that are outpatient procedures. You can have your prostate treated. It only takes 10, 15 minutes. So there's a lot of newer therapies that we're offering. And another one, a common one that men don't even think about is Peyronie's disease penile curvatures and that's very common a lot of the men i see they say i have been suffering with this for a year or two i thought i was the only one but it's not it is
0: common and it's important to get that checked out and that's a hard appointment to make right that's a hard conversation to have with a doctor absolutely that that, it is very hard (laughs) um all right well we're out of time thank goodness hey uh doc website or or any if anybody wants more information give us a, a website or two yeah, absolutely. So you can you can find my information, learn more information at Manitobafertility.com. Always happy to always happy to talk to any patients. Manitobafertility Doctor Premal Patel, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Al. Always a pleasure. Hal Anderson here at the uh, home studio today. Cam Poitras producing the show back at CJOB in the Polo Park area. I'm here in South Winnipeg, and uh, Carolyn Klassen joins us from Connexus Counseling, connexiscounseling.ca. Hello, Carolyn. How are you? Hey, Hal. I'm great. How are you? Excellent. Father's Day is coming up on, uh, on Sunday. And uh, we here at CGOB decided to get a, a jump on it. Most people would wait until tomorrow and then start panicking. We're, we're doing it a day early here and talking about dad and, uh, you know, various uh, Father's Day stuff. And I found an interesting poll, and this will get our conversation going here about being a dad. Um, a new poll finds that we become our father on average at age 37. 68% of the people surveyed in this poll Say they feel more like their father with every passing year. And then there are some percentages next to things that we do that remind us of our father or that, you know, signs that make us believe we're becoming our father. Number one, taking barbecuing very seriously. When we take barbecuing seriously, we're becoming our father, 37%. Repair things instead of buying them. Uh, new, repairing old stuff instead of buying new, 35%. Uh, get really into corny jokes. Well, the dad joke, right? I mean, that's infamous now. Tw- 28%. At number four, 26%. Tell your kids to ask their mother. You're becoming your father. Uh, you're becoming your father when you fall asleep on the couch with the game on, 25%. When you grunt when you get off the couch, that's uh, tied at uh, number five for 25%. Mute the commercials, 22%. You love it. You love mowing the lawn, 22%. Uh, you don't like it when people touch the thermostat, 21%. And you finish everyone else's plate at a restaurant, 18%. Those are all excellent. And um, everybody's smiling, I'm sure, as they hear those, because whether you're a dad or you're becoming your dad, those are things that dads do, right?
6: Yes, and they are things that dads are known for and kind of famous for and almost stereotyped for. I think how I'm going to just throw a little bit of rain on your parade. Yeah, um, sure. Is that this, is, this is adorable, some of these results, but there are scientific studies that are done with rigor and pass-through pass through ethics boards and sort of are done very, you know, with double-blind and like all sorts of ways to make them yep. really scientifically rigorous. This one was done by a stake company. So like (laughs) Omaha Steaks did this, and they they looked at a couple of thousand people. And so I'm not saying that this is worthless, Mm -hmm. but when a steak company does research, it's not surprising that the number one result is taking grilling very seriously. And so while this is quite fun and it gives us something to talk about, um, I just am pointing out here that sometimes when you look at surveys, you have to look at uh, how rigorous and what the source was and who
0: funded it and so forth absolutely you always have to consider the source i just think it's a great talker right in the radio biz we call it a talker right you know it's this oh people will talk about this because i and i um like jackie my wife jackie for example she didn't know my dad my dad passed away before jackie and i met but jackie knows my mom and if we're out and about uh, one word reminds me to knock it off whatever i'm doing she just goes she looks at me and she goes ada and that's my mom's name because I do things now that my mom does and drove me crazy as a kid. And now Jackie will go, Ada. And I go, oh, yeah, right. I'm staring at the table next to us too much. I'm trying to check out what they're eating and what did they order and, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? But let's talk about being a dad, being a father uh, as we head into the big holiday for dad on, on Sunday. What do you think some of the most important qualities are about being a good father?
6: I think there's a tension for dads because dads often want to have their kids learn good values and learn the value of hard work and learn how to do it right and have a good work discipline and all those sorts of things yeah. that dads love to build their kids in so that their kids will be you know grow up to be get straight A's in high school and then go to university and then you know get very very good jobs um, and while that's part of what we want to teach kids, I think is that as dads are to be tender and loving and to just celebrate their kids um who was it i remember seeing on oprah once i think maybe it was tony morrison where she said you, you know when your children child walks into the room do your eyes light up does your child get to see that you are delighted because you have walked into the room and so often it's easier for parent for fathers to notice the things that the children should be doing better rather than just celebrating that their children exist and that are these wonderful, unique human beings that they get to call their children?
0: Hmm. Yeah, and you know, I saw another story about the parent uh, pains of being a parent. You know, and uh, again, it's a it's a poll, but I do find polls good jumping off points for conversation. Mm-hmm. And this poll says that sixty eight percent, and they they talk to parents uh, with kids between uh, newborn all the way up to the age of seventeen. And 65% of these parents say that they experience pain, sometimes physical, emotional, but pain relating to parenting. Um, And moms and dads suffer equally the pain. 65%. So so, uh, parenting is tough. Being a dad is tough.
6: Oh, it's so true. Um, I remember reading in a novel once where this, uh, this parent said, nobody tells you when you give birth to a child that you'll have your heart walking outside of your body open to any sort of injury for the rest of your life, right? Like, it's, it's excruciating to watch somebody that you care about go through struggles and make poor choices and be bullied and all of those sorts of things. It's, it's really hard being a parent because you hurt when your children hurt, Um, but that also is the gift because you celebrate when your kid celebrates and that that pain comes because it matters and because there's love there and so the pain is in proportion to the love and I think that's you know it's the hardest job in the world but it's also the most priceless um, beautiful job in the world as well.
0: Is it important to get dad something or is it the thought that counts like they say?
6: I think that depends on who your dad is. I think it's important. um, And for many people, we should mention that Father's Day can be a painful day because it's a day that they're reminded that their father isn't around anymore or that as everybody else is celebrating their dad. Um, they are not in a position where they had a relationship with their dad that they're, that's, that's something to celebrate, either because they didn't know him at all or because he struggled with addictions or other things that made a connection with their dad, or, uh, a warm, loving connection with their dad, not something that was possible. Um, but those people who um, want to honor their dads and love their dads, I think it's really important, like, who is my dad and what really means a lot to him. And for some dads, it's being able, if you can figure out a way to, in a socially distanced world, just quality time. And for other people, it's, you know, when you you grill the steaks just right, that that is what means something to him. It's really knowing who is my dad and what would really for some dads, it's when you spend the big bucks that they say, oh, you really put yourself out there. And I really appreciate that you're honoring me by having done what it takes to give me a gift of value that that's, that's what speaks love to some dads.